Again, happy Easter to you today. May the resurrection joy of the resurrected Christ be with us all. Even as a wife does not grow weary or tired or bored of hearing her husband say, I love you. So today we're going to be reminded of something we have heard before, but hopefully it will still be good news to our ears. In the scripture that we read before, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel, right? So what I want to tell you today, just like Paul, is not something new. In fact, I want to remind you of something very, very, very old, but it is very, very, very good. The gospel of Jesus is this good news. Now hear this. The gospel is not the first four books of the Bible or the first four books of the New Testament. It's not a guide for life. It's not a way to live. The gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. What is that good news? The good news is that there was a good God, a creator almighty. There is a God who created the world in his goodness and longed for all that he created to know his glory and to worship him because he is the center of the universe. He is what is good and right. This is fine, um, right? So, so the gospel is this good God that's created good, a good world. And into that world, he placed a man and a woman who were to be created in his image and likeness. They were like mirrors that were supposed to reflect back the glory and character and goodness of God. They were made in his image and likeness. And these two mirrors that he made, rather than reflecting God, turned inward and turned away from God and turned to themselves. And they rebelled against God and sinned against God and suddenly found themselves at enmity with God. And to these treasonous rebels, what did God do? He did not treat them as their sins deserved, but this gracious good God went after them. He pursued them. He loved them. And supremely, he pursued this broken earth, this broken man, this fallen creation through Jesus Christ. I want you to picture a fabric that was perfectly whole, and through sin, that fabric was torn. And the peace and unity and goodness of all that God had made had now been ripped. And now God was putting it all back together. And he was going to put it back together through Jesus Christ. So God came into the world in the person of Jesus, in flesh. God becomes man and lives among us. And Jesus Christ lives the life that these first two mirrors were supposed to live. He lives reflecting God and his glory right? Jesus lives the life we were supposed to live in obedience to God and to the Father. He lives in right relationship with all people and with God, and Jesus is perfect as we were called to be. And the one man in the universe, in all of history, there goes the first one, it's okay. <laughs> the one man in all of history who should not have been punished for he had committed no crimes, was put to death for crimes he did not commit. The one man who was completely innocent, the only one, was crucified. On Good Friday, a few days ago, we remembered the events that led to his crucifixion. But what we saw was behind the scenes, he was not just being judged by man. He was being judged cosmically by God. The guilt of our sin, the punishment for our sin, the crimes we had committed were placed on him. And the wrath of God was put on Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ dies on the cross. And the, the good news of the gospel is all of us who repent of our sins, that is, we're heading one way towards sin, but we turn around and we head towards Christ. All who repent and believe in Christ die with Christ and their sins die with him. 
Now, if that's where the story ends, it would not be good news at all. But the good news of the gospel is that on the third day, on Sunday morning, Jesus rises from the dead. Jesus rises from the grave, and all of us who have trusted in the gospel share both in his death and his glorious resurrection. Our sins have been put to death in his cross, and we have been brought forth to new life in his resurrection. So what I want to do today is just give you three quick implications of the resurrection, three quick truths to hold on to because Jesus rose from the dead. Here they are. Because Jesus rose from the dead, the penalty of our sin has been removed. Second, because Jesus rose from the dead, the power of sin is being removed. And because Jesus rose from the dead, the presence of sin will be removed. Let me say that again. Because Jesus rose from the dead, the penalty of our sin has been removed. The power of sin is being removed. And the presence of sin will be removed. Let me walk you through those very quickly. First, because Jesus Christ rose from the dead, the penalty of our sin has been removed. That is good news. Here, Romans 4, verse 25, it says, Jesus, our Lord, who was delivered for our trespasses and raised for our justification. That Jesus Christ was raised for our justification. So whatever Paul is saying, he's saying that as a result of his resurrection, we have received justification. What is justification? We've said before, justification is the picture of God, the holy judge, sitting on his bench, looking at us who are guilty criminals in our sin. And though we were sinners, he declares us righteous. He declares us acceptable, approved in his sight. He declares us justified. How did that happen? Well, on the cross, Jesus, who was sinless, became sin for us. That's the, the great exchange of the gospel. He who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, becomes sin for us that in him we, who were sinful, might become the righteousness of Christ. This is the exchange. We come to him sinful. He comes to us perfect. We leave with his perfection and he leaves with our sin. And so on the cross, God put on Jesus the sin of the world, the guilt of humanity, the crimes and our iniquity, all of that was placed on Jesus. And so he dies for our sin. Then if all of that happens at the cross, why does Paul say it's for our justification that he was raised? What does the resurrection have to do with our being approved in his sight? Well, what the resurrection is, the resurrection is God's approval of Jesus' work. It's sort of God's verification that the work Jesus did was sufficient, that it accomplished what he died for. If you remember on Good Friday, we said, Jesus said from the cross, it is finished, that the work of salvation was done. All the crimes had been paid for. And what God was doing by raising Jesus from the dead was essentially saying, I approve of your work. You don't need to remain dead anymore because there is no more sin to pay for, no more guilt to atone for, no more crimes to be condemned for. All of the work is finished, so Jesus, you can rise from the dead because you have finished the work. And so if we've died with him by our resurrection, God is basically saying to Jesus, I approve of your work. And through his resurrection, he's saying to us, I approve of you as well. Let me give an example to hopefully bring this home. One pastor said it like this. Picture that you were one of six boys. You're in a family. You're one of six children. 
And say five of you are just rascals, right? And so you decide you're going to go and do something crazy. Like you're going to go buy fireworks. You're going to bring them back to the home. You're not that bright. And so you're going to light them off in the driveway while mom and dad are inside. Now, again, remember, there's six of you. Five of you did that. Your oldest brother is inside working on his homework, okay? So the five of you grab your fireworks. You light them off in the driveway. They're exploding. Suddenly, the doors are thrown open, and mom and dad are there, and they look furious. And you know you're about to bear the punishment for your crimes. And at that moment, say your oldest brother comes out of the house and says, I will take their punishment. And so mom and dad look at you and they say, do you know what's just about to happen? Do you realize your oldest brother who did nothing wrong is going to be punished for what you did? Do you, do you get that? And you all, yep, that sounds good to us, right? So you nod in agreement. That's the best news you've ever heard. And so your oldest brother goes back into the house, follows his mom and dad into a room, and the door is closed. Now what happens? You five sit around and you're anxious to know, is this going to work? right? Is this switch really going to work, or, or are we going to get a licking when they come back out? Or could it be that this is actually going to work? And so you sort of sit anxious and worried. And then after a few minutes, the doors are thrown open, and your oldest brother comes out, and he hugs you with a smile, and he goes back and does his homework. And then the parents come, they look at you with a smile, and they go back to the kitchen. And then you look at one another, and you go, it worked. This thing worked. There's no more punishment. It act, the empty room was proof that whatever happened and needed to happen, happened. And now you have proof that this thing worked. The empty room is much like the empty tomb. The empty tomb is God looking at Jesus and saying, his work was sufficient. And God looking at you and saying, everything is done. And so Jesus bursts forth from the grave and looks at us with a smile and says, it's finished. And the father looks at us because of the work of his oldest son and looks at us and says, it's done. Jesus was raised and so the penalty of our sin is gone. We've been justified. He was raised for our justification. And so the resurrection, because Jesus rose from the dead, the penalty of our sin is gone. There is no one left in the room. The tomb is empty. But the resurrection is also not just that the penalty of our sin is gone, but the power of our sin is going. The penalty of our sin has been removed. The power of sin is being removed. Here's what Romans says again. Listen to this verse. It says, If the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. This is what the New Testament is trying to say. The New Testament is saying the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now in you. You have to meditate on that for a second. The same power and the same spirit that took Jesus' cold, dead corpse and brought it forth to life is now at work in you. Don't stop short of the gospel and just stop at the grave because the resurrection says the same power that lifted him from the dirt is now at work in your mortal bodies. That you have resurrection life, new life in Jesus. Not only has the cross dealt with your old life, the, the resurrection gives you a new life. 
The cross deals with your guilt. The resurrection gives you victory. You have new life in Christ. In Ephesians 1, listen to how Paul says it. Paul's going to pray for a young church, and he says, I'm praying that you would know, verse 19, the immeasurable greatness of his power towards you who believe, listen to this, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. Paul is going to say to the church, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, that brought him six feet up, no, not just six feet up, but raised him to the heavenly places. Just to the heavenly places? No. Above all dominion and power. Above all dominion and power alone? No. But above every name that is named in this age and the age to come, that kind of power is at work in you. The, the resurrection power that brought him from the grave and to the heavens and to the heaven of heavens is at work in your mortal bodies. That the power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you so that the power of sin is being removed. You have a greater power in you than the power around you. A greater power in you than the power of sin that holds you. Every sin that wants to lie to you and say you are stuck here forever. The power of the resurrection says there's a greater power that you are obligated to that you have. Let me say two quick words about that. In Ephesians, when he says that this resurrection power is for you, he says the word you, and it's always in the plural. What he's saying is the resurrection power is in you all. It's like Paul's from Texas, right? Y'all have the resurrection power in y'all. And he says that over and over and over again. In fact, throughout the book of Ephesians, not once is you in the singular. It's always in the plural. So what does that mean? It means you don't leave here today going, okay, the resurrection power is in me. I'm going to go out and defeat sin. It says that the resurrection power is known in y'all. And so the resurrection power is known in the context of community. How do you tap into the resurrection power? It's known in community. Let me say one more word and I'll come back to that. It also says, and this power is at work towards you who believe. Think about that. You would be tempted to go, okay, I have the resurrection power in me. Let me go out and do X, Y, and Z. It doesn't say the resurrection power is for you who work, you who strive, you who go get after it. It says the resurrection power is for you who believe. So you put these two together and say, the resurrection power of Jesus that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you, in you all, in the context of community, as you believe the gospel. This is why I want to encourage and push for things like soul care communities. We're launching new ones. My hope is that all of you would jump in. Why? Because in the context of community, as you push one another to the gospel, you can know the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, breaking you, for, breaking you out of patterns of sin and your former passions and giving you new life. So on Tuesday night, when I gather with Binu and Nate and with Elvin, and I sit and I confess my sins and the powers that held me, and they confess their sins, in community, we bring one another again to the cross, and we look at Jesus who was killed for our sins. And then together, we speak of his resurrection and the new life we have, and we're not obligated to our former sins, and we experience together in community, believing the gospel, the resurrection power of Jesus.
The same power that brought a dead man to life is at work in you. And so through the resurrection, because Jesus died, the penalty of our sin is gone. The power of sin is going. And lastly, because Jesus rose from the dead, the presence of sin will be removed forever. It's gone. It's going. It will be gone forever. Corinthians, in the passage we read in 1 Corinthians 15, it says, Jesus Christ and his resurrection is like a first fruits of the resurrection we will all share. So hear that for a second. First fruits, that's like an image that a farmer would use. And what he's saying is a farmer would run into the house and say, here's the first of the crop. And as you looked at that perfect vegetable, you began to see the harvest is going to be great because the first of it was great. And so the scriptures are saying Jesus' resurrection is like the first fruit. God is putting Jesus' resurrection on display for us all and saying, if his resurrection was glorious, you're going to share in a resurrection like that. That's what the harvest of resurrection is going to look like. And we will all be raised even as he was raised. And so there is a day coming when the Lord Jesus will return and we who are dead in Christ will rise again and share a resurrection like his. We will be where he is and where he is, there is no more sin. I want you to picture for a second that there is coming a day when you will breathe an oxygen you have never breathed before. And you will live in an atmosphere you've never lived in before, sinlessness. There will be no more struggles, no more falls, no more weakness, no more frailties of your flesh, no more repentance, no more turning again to the Lord, no more sorrow, no more sickness, no more crying, no more tears, no more death. He has triumphed over it all, and we will rise with him. We will be where he is, and where he is, there is no sin. Because Jesus rose from the dead, the penalty of your sin is gone. The power of your sin is being broken, and the presence of sin will be gone forevermore. Because he rose from the dead, you can share in his resurrection. You can rise and keep rising and know that you will rise forever with him. All right, so Seven Mile Road, you have, who have heard me, hear me at the end. Some of you have come here and you have never known the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You are still bearing the penalty of your sin. Today, you can repent from your former life and come to him and you can realize that the tomb is empty. The room is empty. God is not angry at you anymore. Your oldest brother took the beating you deserved and died the death you should have died and the father has approved of his work. The tomb is empty. He has been raised for our justification. You can leave here having come bearing your guilt, leave here having given your guilt to Jesus. And some of you know Jesus Christ, but you're living as though the power of sin around you is greater than the power of the resurrected Christ within you. Today, in the context of community, believing again the gospel, you can know that you have resurrection power in you, available to you. You do not have to be imprisoned by your sins. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead can break you out of everything that would seek to hold you. There is no scheme of hell, no plot of man, no condemnation of the enemy that can hold you, for you have risen with Christ. And all of us, let us look forward with great hope. There is a day coming 
when we will rise as he has risen and we will be where he is and where he is, there is no more sin. He rose and so we have risen, we are rising and we will rise again. Let's pray together. Our Lord Jesus, we celebrate your victory and we are humbled and joyful at the thought that we share in it. Because you rose, we rose from the dead. Romans tells us that we shared in a death like yours, we will certainly share in a resurrection like yours. We thank you that the tomb is empty. The Father has approved of the work of the Son and thereby has approved of us as well. Today, would you pronounce over this room, you are righteous in my sight. Would you let every person who is burdened by their sin and guilt come today in faith to Christ and hear the Father proclaim, I approve of you. I accept you. You are justified in my sight. I pray for every saint here struggling and fighting with sin. Help us to believe that day by day we are experiencing fresher and newer and stronger the resurrection power of Jesus. I pray that men and women would gather in community and believe the gospel and experience the same power that raised Jesus from ground to highest heavens. And I pray that you would put in all of us the seed of hope that whatever comes in this life, sickness, sadness, death, that there is a day coming when we will rise as you have risen and we will share in your resurrections. We look to you, Jesus, the first fruits of the resurrection, and we will be where you are, and where you are, there is no more sin. The penalty, the power, and the presence are gone, is going, and will be gone forever. In Jesus' name, amen.